You're listening to a Day in a Life podcast brought to you by the International Myeloma Foundation. Today, we're talking to Tim Gavalis. He's a police officer in Watertown, Connecticut, who's living with multiple myeloma. And I might add, he's living quite well despite having the disease. Tim, my first question for you is I understand you recently took a camping trip with your family. How was that trip? Uh, We had a great time. We went up to Lake George in New York. We brought my RV up there and we camped out. We played some mini golf, went go-karting. We even did a tour to the Fort William Henry Fort up there. My brother was up there with his family and they came and visited us at the campground one night. My nieces and my boys got to play and do a campfire and do the s'mores and everything. My dad came up the next day and took us all out to dinner. And I also had some friends that went up there with their boats and they were camping on one of the islands on the lake. And we hung out with them on Friday and went boating and the boys got to go tubing. We had a great time up there. Great to get connected, especially during this pandemic right now. And the reason I asked you about the trip is because, as you know, at the International Myeloma Foundation, we want to encourage patients to live full as full lives as possible. And what's interesting about you is that I understand you are really into the outdoors and an athlete. And some of the things that I'm aware that you do include kayaking, ice fishing, mountain climbing, and you've done many obstacle competitions. My question for you is, how has a myeloma diagnosis affected your ability to do or made you adapt to continue to do any of these activities that you enjoy? Yeah, I really love the outdoors. And, you know, I did do a lot of obstacle racing around the time of my diagnosis and weightlifting too. Obviously, when I was diagnosed with the way it affects your bones, I had to really scale back with the weightlifting. And so now I still do it, but I got to go lighter. I, I make it harder by doing more reps and slowing the movements down. But I'm still able to do a lot of what I used to do. Not really a mountain climber. I'm, I'm a hiker. So that's a whole nother level when you do the mountain climbing. But yeah, I'm still able to live my life pretty close to the way I was before. I think that's really inspirational for myeloma patients out there, especially those who've been recently diagnosed and are wondering if they're going to be able to engage in activities they've always done. And one thing that's really amazing is I understand you recently traveled to Tanzania. And did you hike or climb Mount Kilimanjaro? And what was that trip like? What were some of the memories or stories you have of that experience? It was amazing. You know, every continent has their highest mountain, and Africa's highest mountain is Mount Kilimanjaro. And what's unique about that mountain is you could hike from the base to the summit. It doesn't require any technical climbing skills, where some of the other mountains, like Everest is the most famous, where you got to know how to rope climb and all that kind of stuff. But just being out there in Africa was amazing. The people are wonderful and friendly. There was 12 of us on our team that went out. We had raised money for the Connecticut Special Olympics. We actually raised $161,000 for them. And what was neat about going up the mountain is you need to hire a guide service. They required two guides for every person. So with 12 of us, we had six guides, plus there's a chef, and then they assign everybody their own personal bag carrier. They carry a big duffel bag, and you just carry a small day pack every day. And then they have all the other porters that carry all the other gear. So there was about 45 people it took to get the 12 of us up and down the mountain. And they're just amazing athletes. Some of them are carrying a backpack on the front, on the back, and a bag on their head. They blow by you like you're standing still. The climate took about five days up and two days down, and it was just a camaraderie we had as our our whole group was something that we're going to cherish forever. Really neat memory I have is on the way down, see, you go through several different climate zones, starting from a tropical rainforest, ending up in an Arctic zone. So in the beginning, just lush forests and monkeys, and you get at the top, and there's big piles of snow and 
wind is blowing. It's really cold up there. So on the way down, you go through one called the Alpine Desert, and it's about 15,000 feet, and it's just like you would imagine a desert, just sand and rocks. And a lot of people would take the rocks and write their names in it, and it just pretty much stays forever because there's not high wind up there. Nothing's going to disturb it. So I had an idea to do something special, and I got our whole group together, and it was probably about only three or four of the group that knew about my multiple myeloma diagnosis. And I explained the story to them and I told them, if you told me seven years ago when I was diagnosed that I'd be hiking up the tallest mountain in Africa, I wouldn't believe you. But, you know, here I am. And what I did is I took my trekking pole and I, I made one of the cancer ribbons in it. And I had everybody in our group and the guides each take rocks and place them in the outline I'd made. So we made a big cancer ribbon out of rocks. And I got my picture taken with the guides, with the summit of Mount Kilimanjaro behind us. And our head guide, Rashid, said that... Every time he led a group up that mountain, he was going to stop there and talk about my story. I think it's neat. I hope it would give a lot of people hope that are doing that and something they could take away from. Definitely. I mean, that's great that you took the effort to educate and raise awareness even while you were doing this hike. A little different question for you now. You were talking a little bit about your family, and I understand you were a parent of twin boys. One of the things myeloma patients have difficulty with when they're first diagnosed is how is this going to affect their parenting? And what advice would you give to another parent who may have just been diagnosed with myeloma? First thing is that there is hope. You know, more and more it's becoming a treatable disease rather than just an immediate death sentence. You know, when I was diagnosed, my boys were only four years old, and now they're 11 years old. I think the hardest thing is just talking to them about myeloma. My sons know that I have it. They don't understand exactly what it is. But next month, I will be doing a stem cell transplant. So I am going to have to bring them a little bit more up to speed. Yes, you mentioned that you're scheduled for the stem cell transplant next month. How are you feeling about having to undergo this regimen? How are you mentally preparing? Like I said, the hardest thing is going to be, you know, talking to my sons about it. It's going to be a little bit harder, too, with the COVID epidemic we have. I don't think they're going to be able to come up to visit me. But luckily, we have the FaceTime with the modern technology. And, you know, I do belong to the Connecticut Myeloma Fighters Support Group, led by Michael and Robin Tui. They've been a wealth of information right from the beginning. I want to say probably everybody in the group besides me has undergone a stem cell transplant. So I've been able to, through the years, listen to their stories and see people as they go through. And, you know, they couldn't come to the meetings right away, but their sponsor would come and give us updates. So I kind of know what to expect. Well, we're all pulling for you. It takes a lot of fortitude to go in for that procedure. Last year, you spoke at the American Society of Hematology Annual Conference as part of the IMF's Brian D. Novus Grant Awards reception. And I read your speech, and it was a great speech throughout. But one of the quotes that really struck with me is that, I imagine I'm a fighter walking into the ring to fight myeloma. When did you develop this attitude of being a fighter against myeloma? How soon after you were diagnosed were you able to develop sort of this fighting mentality? It was pretty quick. The first thing was sadness, of course. You know, I, my boys, like I said, they were just turned four. Oh, my gosh, are they going to grow up without me and would they even remember who I am? But very quickly, uh, I said, I'm not going out like that. And I got this idea that when I walk into the cancer center for treatment, you know, I'm walking down that arena towards the ring and got the fans all there. And I just imagine I'm a fighter and I step into the ring and I'm getting my treatment and it's just helping me to land that knockout blow into myeloma and, and just win this fight. Speaking of one of the themes of that reception was the theme of resilience. I know you've spoken about this before, but what can you share with our listeners what resilience means to you? 
Yeah, like I said, I really enjoy hiking and backpacking. You know, if you look at a mountain and it's in the bottom, it could look so high and so far away. But, you know, you could conquer that by just taking it one step at a time and, and just never giving up and never quitting. And you're going to get there. How would you set another patient's mind at ease if they were just diagnosed or they had a lot of fear and weren't able to find that resilient attitude that you have? The most important thing is to get your information from reliable sources, such as the IMF. If you do a random internet search, you might find some wrong information or dated information. There's always, there's new drugs and new treatments coming all the time. And it's just such a, a fast changing pace, you know, and it's getting better and better for us as patients. And another thing too, is just get involved in a support group. If you visit the IMF website, it lists support groups throughout the country. And most places have one close to where you live. You get involved, you can meet people that are going through it that could help you. And you can connect with some like I know for me, I connected with Michael Thuy because he was around my age when he was diagnosed. And he had young children too. So he was able to really help me out and put my mind at ease. How old were you when you were diagnosed? And what was that like for you? I was 38 years old. It was hard when it first happened because you just don't know. You don't know what to expect. But like I mentioned with the support group, I got in the elevator and I saw the little poster for the meeting. And I think it was like the next day or the day after. So I got to get plugged in right away. And that was like a huge weight gain lifted off my chest. Huge. I can't stress enough about getting into a support group. I, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if it was going to be like, oh, what was me type thing, but just the opposite. Very positive and just information, always new information coming out. And is there any other thoughts that you have that you'd like to share with listeners that maybe I haven't covered in any of the questions I've asked? Well, you know, I just, I value every day and I treat it as a gift. I look to make memories especially with my sons, they grow up so fast. You know, there'd be times when I might be tired or a long day at work and I come home and they'll ask me to play catch or something like that. And, you know, without having the myeloma, maybe some of those times you might say no because you're tired, but, you know, I always make sure I get up and I go out and just make those memories, the lasting memories, because, you know, in the end, that's all you're going to take with you. I thank the Lord for every day. I get up in the morning, I hit my knees, and I thank Him for another day. Life is a gift. Definitely. Are there any sort of treatments that you've gone through that you would like to talk about or what some of the rough points have been or some of the things that you didn't expect? No, I've been really lucky with my treatments. I started out with the Revdex and Velcade. I was just on Revlimid for a long time. And then my numbers came up a little bit. I tried tomorrow. It didn't work. And now I'm on Diratumumab. I'll start out. It's an IV treatment. And I know a lot of people had a little bit of side effects with it, but I was lucky. I didn't have any side effects with it. I'm doing great on it. And actually, they just started doing with it sub-Q. So my last treatment, I was the first one in the in the doctor's office there that got it sub-Q. And even that, I had no issues with it. It's working great. So after the stem cell transplant, if you could see that far ahead, what are you looking forward to? What are you sort of planning in your mind? What's next? As far as like treatment goes, I hear that you're going to be on just a low dose, maybe about five millimeter of Revlimid, which would be good for us to get off the dexamethasone would be really nice. And just as far as like normal living, I look forward to planning another vacation with family next year, maybe go up to Maine. I know the stem cells kind of knock me down a little bit, make me kind of weak and tired. I just look forward to getting my body back up to where I am now after that. Well, we wish you the best of luck. And I know this was a little short today, but I wanted to thank you for taking your time. And everybody who's listening, Tim is actually on shift right now as a police officer in Watertown, Connecticut. So thank you so much for taking the time today to talk to us. Thank you for having me. This has been A Day in the Life, brought to you by the International Myeloma Foundation. For information on multiple myeloma and other patient stories, 
visit myloma.org. 